Welcome to Gonzo Times Radio. I am your host, Punk Johnny Cash. Back from the dead. <laughs> Hello. So we've been taking a look at, at Mead. Uh, George Herbert Mead. He's a social behaviorist is what he called himself, essentially, in, in the book we're looking at. He calls it social behaviorism. Mind, self, and society. We've done the first two episodes, mind and self. And uh, if you haven't listened to those yet, probably be advantageous to listen to those before listening to this. Today, we're going to talk about society. And if you've been listening, you've noticed something. I'm going to be dropping a lot of big words and ideas that we'll get back to and expand a little bit more. But uh, I'll give you a, try to give you some brief idea of what they mean. Oh, we're breezing through it. There's a dialectical process that occurs within oneself and within society that creates the human being. That's the first two portions of this, essentially. We pick up uh, all these symbols and objects and, and the way that we understand the world. He calls them symbols. We talk about gestures and symbols as a way to relate within the earlier books. And we're formed from those ideas those experiences those imprints on your mind and the interaction is at play the dialectical process dialectical process going to hegel thesis antithesis synthesis and when hegel's talking about he's talking about overall like periods of history i would say hegemony is another one of those big words dialect and hegemony are two we're going to do entire episodes on probably more than one episode because we have to really understand them to get into the weeds of things uh, hegemony is the overall narrative or discourse that rules us that's accepted as the wider society, right? Like, like the United States right now will probably be a neoliberal hegemony that's in conflict with some sort of uh, neo-fascist reactionaryism at this point. So what does Mead say about society? Let me open up here my notes. I did remember my glasses this episode, which is helpful because um, it helps me to read easier. I want to. We'll just start one thing real quick with with the something towards the end of the self. Uh, this chapter, the section on self. No individual has a mind which operates simply in itself, in isolation from the social life process in which it has risen, or out of which it has merged, and in which the pattern of organized social behavior has consequently been basically impressed upon it. The pattern of social behavior is impressed upon you. you Mind can never find expression and could never have come into existence at all, except in terms of a social environment. Now, think back to like, if you're in the United States, you've probably had similar experiences to other people in the United States. In other countries, it's going to be a little different in other places. And some people's experiences may be totally different. That's one thing to remember in this. But kind of what occurs in the United States is in the last couple decades is, is kids go off to school and meet their peers. They're, they're influenced by... You know, I was influenced by churches, parents, family members, the kids in the neighborhood, the kids at the school, the teachers at the school, the television programs, the music, the books, the magazines. They all form these ideas in my, my mind, you know, these great, great dreams and goals that I was seeking after. Now, we're going into society built up from all these things that is imprinted on us from society. So we tend to be more familiar with function more easily. Uh, function, have the ability to function in a society in which you are socialized. You go to a society which you are not socialized, you know, things change quick. Uh, the language you can't understand. 
the customs of mannerisms, you don't know what's happening. The human form combines different ideas, uh, different perceptions, different things that you're familiar with. I had seen it happen one way, this way. So when I see something that reminds me of it, I assume that, ah, oh, that's how it goes. Yeah, I know because I, 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 from, from empiricism, right? I've experienced it. empiricism. What is empiricism? The observation, right? The human form is a mechanism for making these combinations within itself. A human individual is able to indicate to himself what the other person is going to do, or at least we think we can, right? That's how we how we do it, how we respond to others. We perceive what the other person is doing and analyze his act and reconstruct it by means of this process. A sort of intelligence has not based on psychological differentiation, nor based on herd instinct, but on development through social process, which enables to carry out his part in the social reaction by indicating to himself the different possible reactions, analyzing them and recommending them. It is that sort of an individual which makes human society possible. Makes it possible so we can have a shared experience, a shared understanding. We can say, oh, okay, can you hand me the wrench? You got to be able to hand someone the damn wrench, right? <laughs> they need to know what the wrench is and have familiarity with it. We can point to a number of critical periods in the history of Earth in which the appearance of life is dependent upon things that happen or appear. The forms seem to be quite at the mercy of the environment. So we state the environment, not in terms of the form, but the form in terms of the environment. Nevertheless, the only environment to which the form responds is the environment which predetermined by sensitivity of form and its response to it. Now, the inputs aren't just social, they're material, because we, are, we live in a material world. What we imagine, what we create, we bring into the material world. We're going to see here, uh, in fact, I'm not going to even read that section. I'll just kind of tell you what Mead says. Is uh, Mead... Mead talks more about the uh, the capacity for uh, for I believe he called uh, it was a, a, a an engineer to come up with the drawings and, and and the ideas, but the engineer doesn't actually reify that, put it into life. It takes the others that shared language, a shared knowledge, a shared image, being able to recognize those things to put it into reality, to be able to build the steel mill, to be able to so you get the idea, the spark, you get written down, you can draft it up. You can put that out into the world. We're able to do that because of our shared images. We're able to create that and make and mold. And we've, we've, we've drastically altered the entire planet. And, and, and I say that, I want you to look around all the time and think as you're driving down the street, how, how, how much we've just altered things, right? I mean, like, like yards used to be, the reason we have grass in yards used to, was a symbol of wealth at one point in time. Aristocracy would take large fields and grow nothing but grass to show how wealthy they are. They didn't have to use it on food. They weren't that gauche. They weren't that low class, right? A symbol of wealth, which endures in a capitalist society. Keep your yard tidy. <laughs> We're creating this world. This world is creating us in society. And Mead talks a lot in, the, in, this cha in these chapters about uh, the attitudes we take in this process, right? I think you know what, what what we're talking about. At one point in time, he speaks of of the politician and how the politician is really good at, at, at kind of rising above. I believe is what we had said. Uh, others, you know, the charisma. You know, they know how people will react. They know the right thing to say. Sometimes, with the help of a of a of a public relations, you know, with the help of a marketing department back there coming up with the things to say. Oh, I wonder why politicians, especially since Kennedy, <laughs> have been uh, more and more 
a popularity contest than any actual real substantial debate. What is it that we take our clues from and are influenced by? Because it's not the ideas of these politicians that we've been voting here for in this country, is it? Or is it? I mean, Obama was a very charismatic, charismatic fellow. It would be hard to take somebody like that in an election. And Trump, a reality TV star, people loved him to begin with, right? Like it's more of a cult of personality, the attitudes they take that people are attracted to. Those attitudes have a big part in this when he talks about the conflict and he goes in depth with that. I'm not going to go into in depth in all of those nuances that he takes in the formation of society at this point. Uh, I just want you to be aware of this occurring, that these elements are part of it, your attitude that comes into it. Uh, the perceptions that we have that were built up through these very differences, very differences. Uh, a lot of these uh, philosophers talk about our perception, right? And I'm not going to get in the weeds of philosophy of perception, but this is slightly, slightly relevant here. I can't remember if it was Descartes or, or perhaps Bertrand Russell, or perhaps they both did something similar of, of looking at a wooden table and uh, trying to perceive the colors and the shape and, and noting that by each person's perspective in the room, that the shape of that changes, the color changes lightly from the reflection of the light. It's not exactly, but we all see the same thing just slightly differently, right? Like you've seen those those pictures of people looking at, at, at a, a six or a nine. And it's a six, it's a nine. Well, it's a, what we're not saying, you know, there's, there, there's a difference of where you're at materially, physically in the world and how you can see and perceive a th said thing, right? And then you add in all these inputs who are also different because their material and social realities are different that are influencing on you. But we've created all of this. The way we understand things, we, we are told that there are certain laws that govern society. These are the laws. These are natural, God-given rights and laws. So I'm going to talk about philosophy and history for a minute and how we know things. There's always, always, I was raised with this idea that these old ideas held great knowledge. And they do. I read a lot of old philosophy and old textbooks, right? Like coming up as a child, I read scripture a lot. I, I've read the Bible through, I don't know, two or three times uh, when I was younger. Um Largely doing that, read your Bible in a year type things, you know. Uh, I spent a lot of time with old literature, so it's, it's. I think maybe doing that as a child makes it easier for me to, more interesting and engaging for me to read than some people, because some people don't tend to like it, you know. Those inputs, I guess, matter. Uh, reading Socrates can be a little bit, or Socrates should probably say Plato. Reading Plato, because Plato wrote of Socrates. Socrates wasn't, you know, someone that wrote anything down. And there's a lot of question of the historical reality of who Socrates was, right? Why is that? Because we didn't have it written down. How do we know a thing said thing is true? We have to write it down, right, to keep record. That's where the beginning of history becomes. But remember, we have all these different perspectives, these different ways, these different influences, you know? I, I accidentally, there, there's, a, there's a good uh, Marcos, um, the EZLN um, has a great illustration, which I, I'll probably try to find that writing and read it on here sometime about Dorito, the little bug who, who uh, talks about how this Zapatista is walking through the Lancon jungle, right? And uh, trampling on everything. But in his perspective, he's just walking nicely. 
But the little bug at the bottom is screaming up, ah, you're squishing me, you're killing me, you know? You, you're not paying attention, you're destroying us as you're, as you're walking through here. You don't see that. But when you're destroyed, you're being squished. Little, you're the little bug being squished by the Bigfoot. And the Bigfoot doesn't see itself, can't perceive itself squashing you. When the little bug rises up to, to attack the Bigfoot, the person comes back with its violence. It attacks us with violence. It's savage. I did nothing to provoke this. You know, we have those different perspectives from all these different places. And this gets very complex. Now, if you read through Mind, Self, and Society, and you read through me, he goes in very detailed nuance about nuances about these things. And some of his later books goes in an even greater detailed nuance of the history and the histories of philosophy and the knowledge and stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus a little way around society for a second, kind of redirect to this philosophy and history side of things, because that builds up our knowledge and that philosophy and history was largely reading through people like Plato and all these early philosophers, the pre the pre Socratics as they call them. There's a, and even post Socratics, it's largely trying to figure the world out, empirically ob observing the world around you and trying to describe it. Like, I noticed this about the world. And some make grander speculations than others. Some of the more grandiose speculations we tend to call metaphysics, right? Now, Zeus and God and, and and Allah and all these other things, like these mythical things that don't really have a ground in anything we can touch. And anything we can touch, feel, see, that's kind of in the realm of metaphysics. That's a simplistic way of putting it. But those ideas that, oh, that may be true type of thing, that's that's not... That's that's metaphysics, right? And there's a lot of that stuff that's in there. Like they get some bonkers ideas through human history. We get all, we get all kinds of things that create whatever it is we are in society, and a lot of them lie in metaphysics, myths that have been passed down. A lot of those myths, a lot of those myths that were written down were written down by the people who had access to write things down, and most of the time that was throughout much of history to the printing press. Writing down those those myths was kind of limited who actually had access to that. Churches, because church is kind of, uh, the church is kind of known as the origin of where propaganda comes from. And I say propaganda, we got to remember, uh, words like terrorism, propaganda, are just a, a few that have changed the connotation of the meanings of those words have changed greatly over the centuries, right? Like when we're talking about monks writing propaganda in their in their studies, we're saying something a little bit a little bit different than it wasn't seen as like a negative, right? The negative connotations come later, like, oh, when we attach the negative things to them. many things have those negative things to them as well. Uh, propaganda is difficult to escape, especially in our society. I don't know if it's possible to escape. <laughs> as human beings in this process, I don't know if propaganda is possible to escape. This is propaganda. Everything you perceive, take in on the television, a book, I would say it's pretty much all propaganda. Uh, that's without really any exception. If it's not propaganda, it's probably drivel or pornography. And still, in a sense, that will be a propaganda of its own uh, because it is kind of reinforcing and influencing you in towards those tendencies, whatever they be. So anyways, that's a side note. Rewind. <laughs> The history of knowledge evolves. As we go forward, we build on those who knew so much before us, and we have the advantage of having that knowledge and being able to take that and observe the world through their eyes and 
add to it. The world has changed because time has changed because the world and society continues to change. The world continues to change. Things die. Things are born. Things are destroyed. We alter the face of the earth. We make advancements. We understand the world in totally new ways. So when we look back at these old things and sometimes we just dismiss them quickly. Oh, that was foolish. At the time, that was the best we know. I would venture to speculate that we are just as foolish, not too much less than foolish as those old, great, brilliant minds. The amount that we don't know, I think that we, uh, we, don't, we don't really understand how much we don't know. The amount we do know is far less than we think it is. As I've said, I've read, that's just one of the many truths that I, I, I've run into across these years. Uh, is the one thing I've probably said on here already, and I'll say again repeatedly. Education is the progressive realization of one's own ignorance. Because the more I tried to understand, the more answers I got, but I was left with more questions and more realization that I was ignorant we are ignorant i would postulate there are certain uh problems with science uh, i'm not going to get in, i'm not saying about anti-science science is probably the best that we can know right now things like science logic empiricism are great tools just like the language we use right so all of these are great tools like the hammer or, or the the saw those those tools work in a material level right the hammer and the saw but before we can get to the hammer and the saw, we have to engage in the social level. They are intertwined. I don't have a saw down here because I brought it into being myself. I don't have a hammer in my, in my workshop because I thought of it or plucked it out of nowhere. Somebody designed it, that engineer, made the molds, carved the wood down, shoved it into that piece of forged steel right? The social and the material are tightly intertwined. How much of the material world defines you as a person? Your cars, your iPhones, there's a lot of things that people have in the material realm that really define them as people. It happens. It's pretty common. Now, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go back to Mead after my little rant for a minute. And I like something here that Mead says. Uh, he says that he, he, he in one of the chapters after the supplemental readings, he he mentions at the very beginning one of the things that he says is that uh, he talks about impulse as opposed to instinct. And I would say that human instinct as as a concept of human nature is something we talk about instinct a lot. We don't really know or have a way to know instinct. So I think that impulse would be a better way to describe what it is that's going on. And he talks about this in relationship to this, the attitudes we're taking in the social action, the interaction. Well, that's instinct. That's my free will. It's my God-given right to property. All these myths of things that we thought of, we as human beings, and reified. Locke wrote down a lot about property that we used. A lot of his ideas are used in our founding documents, right? Now, Locke probably had a bias, as we said before, and his bias being in a slave trader, a very wealthy slave trader. He didn't want that life and that reality to change because he rather liked 
the life it afforded him. So whatever justifications or ideologies that he came out of observing the world around him and engaging in this philosophical discussion of past and old and going back and forth with, he was creating a justification sort of to maintain something there, like Adam Smith. Adam Smith doesn't doesn't uh, invent capitalism. He's looking around. This is an observation. He says this happened. Marx does something a little different. Now, Matt, now Smith does something a little different as well. He kind of writes things saying, oh, well, we got to watch out for this. He gives you kind of, we got to do, right? But that's often not paid attention to with Smith. But with Marx, it is. Because that upset some people. And namely, those people who were like Locke, beneficial from all this. These ideas that we formed in the public sphere through this process, just a bunch of animals that essentially evolved, tried to figure things out, said it was a god or magic, and realized there might be something more than just magic. Well, what is magic? It's just what we didn't understand, right? Right? I mean, that's really what it was. We didn't understand. We couldn't figure it out. So we assigned an answer. Someone pulled it out of their butt. Someone went out to the desert for 40 days and saw something. That's happened a lot to people. Out to the desert, munching on some mushrooms, have some revelations. It's a big part of religion, right? Psychedelics, hallucinations. I believe people have seen ghosts. I've seen a lot of things. Uh, they saw a lot of things eating mushrooms out in the desert, uh, talking to gods. As I've said before, God is society's worship of itself. I'll definitely at some point in time, we'll have to talk about this evolution of the church, uh, whoever Jesus Christ is or was. Uh, the Roman Empire solidifying it and bringing it into a forefront of the empire and a tool of domination. Uh, the church itself with its propaganda and the empire. Ooh, we're talking about the Roman Empire. Isn't that a meme? But it goes beyond that. These archaic, some of these archaic ideas from two, three thousand years ago are still around today. Some of these ancient myths, and I'm not just talking about deities, right? It's fascinating to read some of these people just completely dismissive of others who did not believe in the truth of Zeus or Odin, right? Oh, wow. Most of us think that's absurd in this day and age because there are some things that we've just kind of said, okay, that was a myth. That we use to understand the world. But what why bring up all these myths? Because they 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 are strong in the inputs that we fill each other with, that we reify these myths over and over again. When we said property is a thing from God, we wrote down on paper our attitudes, responses, the acts that it takes to maintain that form of power and authority in the world of property. That's how we have corporations because it's codified in the laws of our lands, right? That's these, these, these philosophical political disputes are like, oh, this is real. This is not the problem that we're facing now is that we're living in the year 2023 and our knowledge base is essentially 500 to 3000 years old the things we're clinging to, ancient myths. That's a problem, I'd say. And I'd like to examine some of those myths, right? How is it those myths are reified in our society? We call it human nature often. Nature. You can't know a natural human. Know that the young woman who was raised by dogs. 
A human being without social interaction and influence and propaganda, education, teaching doesn't develop its mind. The brain itself does not grow. It's like a muscle, right? Uh, the young woman who is raised by dogs em emulates the dogs. This is a this is this is, has happened on some occasions, right? I think I actually mentioned one of the, one of them in 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 uh, the in my in the writing on this that I've been doing. Uh, I think I mentioned her by name. I looked it up and put some information there. If not, I'm going to try to have the information on some of these examples. But there's plenty of examples where we realize that the material world, the social world around us, helps us form even our physical bodies. You know, if you don't do a bunch of push-ups and go run, you don't become a marine, right? Like if you can't physically make your body change and shape it and mold it, but our bodies, our minds are shaped and formed by the material and social around us all the time. The social world is filled with conflicts and problems rising out of these attitudes and these acts that Mead talks about. And one of the things I like about Mead is that we're going, he kind of just creams through the ideologies that we're talking about, the philosophies, the capitalism, the communism, right? And he approaching it as a behaviorist, he looks at the acts and what is actually going on, not the myths behind what is going on. But is there truth to the myths? Well, perhaps some. We should examine that. And we should always remain a little skeptical and realize that there's more for us to learn, more for us to refine, and there's far more that we do not know than we do actually understand and grasp. Uh, I think that is a big problem in society is that everybody's pretty sure of everything, right? <laughs> you, you, you're, you're, you have an official great mind to go to. One of the things I don't like is when people use the terms of uh, groupthink or uh, uh, brainwashing, to be honest. I feel that it undermines exactly how we do think, how we do learn, and how we do act. Groupthink, if you assume that you're free of anything like groupthink, then you are sadly mistaken. All there is is groupthink. The minds interact. The minds interact in some form or another on the written word, the spoken word. The physical interactions with other human beings, the actual in-person actions, the recorded histories, the internet, the added complexity of communication, knowledge transmission through the internet. Everything's bullshit on the internet. It's coming from a lot of places that you weren't socialized in, wasn't it? Ah. There's a problem. There's a problem we know. Maybe there's things we can do about that. There's a lot of turmoil and conflict in taking our attitudes on the internet. We don't have that gesture, that immediate gesture towards one another. We just have the words that were sent out. At some point in time, we'll have to discuss the history of the printing press and how that changed society in depth, as well as how this... Uh, New forms of communication, such as radio, television, and the internet, have drastically altered society of what is now. I would venture to say that with these new forms of communication as inputs, mitigating through society, uh, 
preaching or passing down ideologies from on high, from the great corporations, uh, from the from the governments, from the capitalists, from the military, from those in power, from those who uh, C. Wright Mills would term the power elite, uh, working in a public affairs office in the United States Marine Corps. Most major news media outlets would contact us for an official statement on said thing, and they did not uh, deviate from the wording imagery that we wanted to show unless they wanted to be cut out of that. And most of them were not willing to be cut out of it because you kind of lose your access to the Department of Defense, right? So there's a control on information, how we know. That's nothing new, but things shift and change. Uh, Chomsky, Edward Bernays, there's a lot of thinkers that talked about propaganda, and we'll get into that eventually, and I, I think I'm kind of straying now. I'm going to do a, I'm sorry, this one's probably a little longer than the last few. As a quick recap, uh, what Meads focuses on in the society side is largely things like your attitude, your understanding, how we respond to each other, how we're building this society. He talks about these politicians' ability to sway you to come to power through this there's a lot here and and to be honest every problem known to humanity is here i as an ending point i do want to note some that a lot of these readers uh writers the, these things i've been reading are very uh of their time like in made he uses man all the time instead of a gender neutral language or any kind of feminine pronouns or anything like that I'll try to course correct sometimes just to be more pleasing, but at the point in time, to me, something wouldn't have popped into his head. Does that make him a misogynist? Well, yeah. <laughs> because it fits the term, right? Because the world has changed. I'm going to be looking at a lot of interesting things, uh, hopefully in the upcoming episodes. And uh, there may be a lot of stuff like that in there. And I'd like to try to be aware of some of the issues in some of these. But more so, some of the issues in some of these are going to be the point of me bringing them up. Because a lot of these great thinkers, these things that have molded our society, these things that are taught in Harvard, Oxford, Yale, where the power elite are educated and programmed, they have some problems. There's a lot of myths. I thank you for listening. Feel free to give this to anybody who you feel might get benefit from it. I We're probably going to have one more, at least one, maybe two more episodes on meat. I might break it up with some other different topics in between. Uh, we'll probably have a lot more in the future, but there's one or two more I plan. Uh, I hope to bring on somebody who I've been talking to about this and uh, play a little game and uh, do a little discussion about what me had to say. Maybe just mostly so that I can make sure I was clear on what it is I was trying to articulate and what I understood of me. <laughs> I think it's important to, to acknowledge that, that sometimes these thinkers, we are limited in our understanding because of some of the things I brought up, a different time, different conditions, different place, different socializations. But a lot of us are have enough shared symbolism in there to understand what it is we're looking at, that we're looking at similar phenomena and things like that. That's all I'll leave you with today, uh, or what I've been leaving with, no gods, no masters. <laughs>